Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by A Kid's Book About, a collection of beautifully designed books that kickstart challenging and empowering conversations between kids and their grown-ups. It's no surprise at all that we like talking about the hard stuff with one another, with you all, and with our kids, which is why this new series has resonated so much with us. A Kid's Book About releases new books every month from experts and authors who bring their personal stories, practical wisdom, and childlike playfulness to the page. They explore topics like belonging, feminism, body image, racism, gratitude, and beyond. Life is complicated, and their mission is to help kids and their grown-ups have honest conversations about things that matter. We think that's pretty cool, so visit today's show notes to learn more. Now, on to our episode. Hey, everyone. Hello. (laughs) If you are new to Upbringing, welcome, and thank you for being part of this community. We are sisters and moms to three, four, five, and six-year-olds who challenge and inspire us every Mm -hmm. day. Over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> and over, and over. <laughs> uh, we want to briefly acknowledge our privilege in getting to talk about this as our job. And just a quick disclaimer that though we have many certifications, we're not licensed therapists or MDs, right, Han? Right. That is true. So spring break. Happy spring break. Happy spring break. Oh my goodness. We're taking a small break from the podcast. Um, to create the podcast. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to get a little bit ahead of things, everyone. That's our idea. Today, I'm excited about this episode, though. We've been getting, um, we've been having so many amazing conversations uh, with coaching clients, friends, family, everyone on our live Q&As about this whole parenting and captivity situation. Mm-hmm. And today, we're going to get to talk about 10 ways that we're really just trying to lean into this to keep us all thriving and growing and setting healthy patterns, right? Moving forward in this quarantine. Right. I'm also hoping that during this little spring break of ours, folks can go back to the season and listen to some of the episodes we've been doing um this season's podcast episodes based on our freedoms model and as our resist approach which you can download both of those on our mm-hmm. website and um, i think we have four freedoms left but kel can you tell a little bit about the freedoms really quickly sure for yeah, those I think who are unfamiliar <clears throat> the freedoms are basically these realms in our kids lives that their nourishment their play their contributions their speech their feelings their expression so many things um that we tend to uh get some resistance from from our kids that can create power struggles that we can sometimes over control or undermine the process of and that we just want to be trying to engage sensitively with right Mm -hmm. that sounds kind of woo woo and some people are like okay so i'm just kind of letting my kids i'm not in control i'm just going to give them all the control (laughs) what do you say to that usually no i say it's the middle way i say that it's not over controlling and it's not under controlling it's finding whatever that right in the middle spot is where we really are clear on what's our responsibility and what's their responsibility for our connection our growth our um just our day-to-day lives right yeah and we use our resist approach as this sort of loose six-step process especially during moments of conflict or challenge that just helps us interact respectfully and with awareness um to number one keeping our kids safe keeping things moving in the right direction like trying to limit the chaos but also (laughs) with that sensitive approach to keeping their inner wisdom and inner authority strong right it's basically an alternative to the control approach that so many of us were raised with and that come very very easily at least to us as we're going through this parenting yeah but it's a good reminder like we can still get shit done get all the things we need done done while we can encourage our kids to look inside themselves as much as they're looking outside themselves to just move through the world authentically, right? Yes, love it. 
So we are, through this episode, as all the other episodes this past season, are really examining our beliefs and our cultural conditioning and taking this whole list of unhelpful things off our job description, you know, as we're running through the 10 freedoms. Yeah, this isn't going to be more. This isn't more to add to your plate in a lot of ways. This every time we talk about our freedoms, every time we're running the resist approach, every time we examine these beliefs, we're like, God, I thought I had to do like eight things, teach my kid in eight different ways, give them eight different punishments. And I'm actually just going to like not do any of that and see better and results. just like work on myself. Yeah, what? I'm just going to grow, be a cooler <laughs> person. What? Um, okay, what else is happening? What do we want to talk about? A little bit about our Q&As, right? This is where we've been learning so much about what, how everyone's feeling, what's going on in their homes, mm-hmm. right? We're all kind of well, trapped a little bit so right now. So before we jump onto these 10 things about parenting in captivity, these things we've kind of been realizing, I feel like uh, while folks are, while we're on our little break, ways you can still connect to us that we wanted to just mention really yeah. quickly right so we're we're on instagram we we do i think two to three instagram videos per week and they're like 10 minute just little up skills that are kind of fun and then we're also doing three days a week a live q a uh, at 6 p.m um pacific standard time on monday wednesday friday thank you you're welcome <laughs> Three days a week. You never know when three it is, a everyone. Week, uh, I don't even know when Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are, so it really does feel like three random days You a all week are to keeping me. us in line on our, <laughs> in our weekly um, days. Yeah, and then we got our side-by-sides that we love doing on Instagram, where we show mm-hmm. these, like, what our instinct is, what our goal is, what our, you know, feminist voice says versus our parenting voice, yeah. what our automatic, mo- you know, mental mantra is versus what we would really like to replace that with. Yeah, we'll keep um, all that stuff going during the break. And oh, we're yeah. going to get to work on um, a masterclass, which yes. we're really excited about getting out there for everyone who is struggling right now, naturally, mm-hmm. as we are parenting in captivity, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've been having a little bit of a creepy deja vu feeling every day. Um, there's each is deja running, vu every yes, day. Deja vu every day. Like it, and it is more like Groundhog Day. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I've been having trouble finding joy in the process. I've been feeling a sense of suffocation under the repetition of this grind, this new normal. Mm-hmm. How have mm-hmm. you been feeling? Have you been feeling like Groundhog Day too? I've been feeling a bit claustrophobic. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, Your you face know, right now. I, I tend to think that I am like a routine person, and I like things predictable. Uh-huh. But like this predictable is like just a lot. Yeah, and I'm, it's a new kind of predictability that I'm dealing with too. With being having the kids home, doing ten hours of parenting every day before we try and get get out here to work. I know. I keep thinking about the uh, 90s Groundhog Day Bill Murray movie, which I highly recommend if nobody's... You love that movie, Cal. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It may be a little bit too close to home right now, (laughs) um, but I keep seeing these scenes from it because I'm Mm. feeling that same loop. You know what I mean? It's like the song, the same song starts up every morning. So put your little hand in my, but it's like uh-huh. screaming. It's, it's like dead. a screaming alarm clock. <laughs> but so many things like I think about the things that are happening every day over and over and over, like whining for oatmeal and then resistance that we're meeting up for a 10 a.m. meeting we try to do every day just to like connect a little bit about mm-hmm. what we're going to do that night. And then I'm like tripping over the pajamas in the doorway. Again, they're there again. Or the kids are dragging on my husband's ankles when he explains he has to go to work. And I have to like slide the back door shut again without fingers getting stuck in it. And then there's the meltdown of how I cut the sandwich. And clockwork. Clock, like clockwork. <laughs> and refusal to go on a scooter ride when everyone actually has their socks and shoes and helmets on. And we can't leave. Right? Yeah. And then somehow again, I'm on my hands and knees scooping up food flung on the floor. And oops, my son peed again on the floor two seconds before I was going to be like, let's go to the bathroom. And nope, I missed the window again over and over and mm-hmm. over. And then like, it's like the same questions. Mom, when are we going back to school? Mama, when can we see our friends? Every mm-hmm. day, the same, same expression on their faces, everything. And then we're washing hands. We're wiping noses over and over and over. The dog's barking get in the yard. I let him in. I realize he has no water again. <laughs> My husband's asking me, how was your day, honey? In the same like chipper tone every day. Like, like he doesn't see that like repetition. Like he's like pre-programmed. He thinks it's just happening for the first time. Right. And I'm seeing, no, this is the same every day. <laughs> right? 
This is eerily familiar. I know. It's so true. I think we're all feeling a little bit trapped in that, oh right? Oh my god. Oh my god. So I what are our ten things? I feel like you should read out the ten things <sighs> that we're that we're really trying to do. These are things that we've noticed as we've been doing these parenting and captivity Q and A's. Like, what are the, the themes that keep coming up based on all these problems? What do Kelty and I keep talking about yeah. uh, in response to those. How are we exploring these things? Because like we always say, like it's usually not a way to fix the child. We're not talking about what they need to be doing differently. We're talking about what our mindset needs to be, what our intention needs to be. That's what you and I have been changing through this parenting process. Yeah, but I think we're also realizing that, I think I always thought that mindset and approach and just having a positive outlook, it was just a bunch of bullshit and that it wasn't going to lead to actual tangible changes to in my outcome. life, to actual mm-hmm. outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we're realizing. And that's what we've been seeing in these Q&As and seeing with our coaching clients is how much the power of, um, our of, attitude. Your, of your attitude, your mindset, your awareness, your beliefs actually can affect the outcome. Yeah. They Speaking have incredible of impact. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the 10 things, will you read them really quick? Yeah. So number one, uh, get aware. So we ask, are my values aligned with my parenting practices? Number two, self-regulate. We ask, am I calm so that I can calm my child? Mm-hmm. Number three, we look beneath behaviors. We ask, what are the underlying needs here? Number four, we consider the expectations. So we ask, are my expectations understood, let alone realistic? <laughs> Number five, we welcome all the feelings. So we ask, am I holding space for their learning? Number six, we use high expectations and high warmth. We ask, can I set a boundary with love? Number seven, we model, model, model. And we ask, can I inspire what I'd like to see happen? Number eight, we invest in what we, what's new. So we ask, can I spare a little extra time to nail this? Number nine, we loosen up with what's theirs. So we ask, is this ultimately mine or are my kids to control? And number 10, we circle back. We ask, can I be brave and connect after a conflict? Yes. Those are our 10, 10 little nuggets of, uh, of wisdom. To, and we, uh, that's basically all we wrote. <laughs> that's yeah. all she wrote. <laughs> so we're, we're just going to riff on these. Just a couple quick sentences. Just to expand them. Yeah. Yeah. Just expand on them and explore okay. them a little bit. We're going to keep this short and sweet for everyone. And, and we're going to expand them more. Yeah, we are. That's what to expect in our Instagram videos, in our live Q&As on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. on our Instagram feed and those side-by-sides. These are really like, we're, we're realizing, oh my God, we keep bringing these up to ourselves, to our yeah. coaching clients, to our lady friends on these Instagram. These are the walls we keep running into yeah. with our faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Big time. Okay, let's talk about the first one. We get aware. So we're asking, are my values aligned with my parenting practices? What's this, what's this all about? Oh, man. I mean, I think it's like one of the tenets of upbringing here is saying, we got these big dreams for our kids. Oh, we want them to be this. We want them to do that. We have values um, for how we values. want our home to feel, um, our attachment with our kids to feel, right? And then we have to ask ourselves, is the way we're parenting a reflection of those ideals? Mm-hmm. Is the way, the way that we're teaching and helping our kids build these skills a reflection of those ideals mm-hmm. that we have? It was a really big realization when we figured out that kids learn by the way that we treat them not by what our intention is in teaching them. Yeah. So our intention is related to the value very often, our belief, our dream for them. But the way we're treating them is often completely the opposite. And I think right? it's really where the resist approach came from and how yeah. we started making this. And and the, the more we've talked about it with other parents, the more we've gotten to explore when we're using resist, which is respect, empathize, sync up, innovate, summarize, and trust through a conflict, That's what our kids learn. They learn how to respect, how to empathize, Mm -hmm. how to innovate, all Mm -hmm. these things. When we're using control, what are our kids learning? Yeah, control is consequences, on my terms, now, threats, rewards, overpowering, and lectures. That's what spells control. So when we do those things, those are just examples of control, but when we're doing those to teach our kids to respect 
be empathetic, problem solve their own issues, be able to communicate with other people and to doesn't trust. Quite work it doesn't that and way. Not so much. Not so much. Yeah. So we're just talking about awareness, and sometimes we can't even change what our the Approach. way we interact with our kids mm-hmm. we can't always even change it but even if we're like wow okay really wanted them to be nice to their brother so i yelled at them is that showing them how to be nice mm-hmm. about you know like just even just having that awareness is huge i think so i think it's the number one thing to help us grow is just starting with awareness absolutely yeah and it's i feel like the last thing about the getting aware and thinking about resist versus control is just making sure that we're not parenting through the patriarchy and just thinking whether consciously or unconsciously are we interacting with our kids in ways that replicate structures that we and perpetuate and perpetuate structures Mm -hmm. um, that we resist in other uh, realms of our lives you know and and we just just getting clear on that that's part of our alignment question right absolutely okay what number two Number two, self-regulate. So we ask, am I calm so that I can calm my child? I think it's so easy to believe that our kids' crazy shit causes us to be angry. So they should probably just stop that because it affects us so (laughs) much. That's so logical, right? right? (laughs) But it's actually a little backwards when we break it down because it's our kids who are usually upset or struggling first. And it's our kid who also has their brain under construction yeah. and has an attachment figure, um, us, to need be helping them, right? Is to navigate that, this crazy and confusing world. Is it fair that I feel like my brain is under construction right now? Yeah, but yeah. it's less under construction than our kids. I know, it's that's, kind of our job, It's right? a helpful but really hard to hear reminder that to be able to support our kids, we have to calm ourselves first. And I think we hear this a lot on live Q&As. Oh, that sounds great to just handle their conflict, like kid, sibling conflict like mm-hmm. this. Or when my kid has big feelings, I just problem solve through them like this. But mm-hmm. how do I do that if I want to scream, if I'm exploding all over them first? Mm-hmm. Self-regulate, right? Self, we calm our nervous systems. We regulate ourselves so that we can then actually help our kids Right, Because if we're upset going into a situation where they're struggling, we're just going to inflame it. And that's the last thing we want to be doing. Yeah, right? We're not modeling good self-regulation. We're not actually helping them to calm down. You know, and I think, but it's a big ask, right, Kel? And we've talked about this before where when we're new parents, when our babies cry, that's their sign that says, help me to self-regulate. Will you co-regulate me, you know, through this interbrain we have, Mm -hmm. you know, through this attachment we have. And so we pick them up and we hold them and we rock them until they stop crying or we feed them or we do what they need. And their needs are very simple as babies. It it gets so much more complicated Mm -hmm. as as those needs grow with them, right? you know, and to us those out as still just needing help and still just needing a calm neutral presence to support them right and we cover a lot of this in our free to feel episode so if you if you want to learn and talk more about the strategies that we talk about but that the idea of self-reg is just thinking wait a second just remembering it, we can't always do it but can we try to calm ourselves so that we can be there for our it's kids like the oxygen mask Put it on before assisting others, right? Right. Okay. Number three, look beneath the behaviors. That's where we ask, what are the underlying needs here? This is one of our biggest metaphors that pops up in all of our Q&As and a lot of our episodes is it's so easy to be distracted by the waves, all these shiny, distracting things, behaviors, big feelings of our kids. And what we're trying to do and trying to remember based on all the research we've read and all the practicing we've done, all the courses we've taken is what are our child's underlying needs? Mm-hmm. What skills are they missing here? Can we put those goggles on and go beneath the waves to see what's really going on? Right? right. It's our job to not to focus on the behaviors and to create the the discussion and the punishments and the consequences and the drama around these behaviors, but to really just look at the behaviors as symptoms of this underlying cause. And it's our job to understand and attune to what our kids' experience of the world is so that we can actually help the situation and prevent issues from turning chronic and teach our kids about themselves. They don't know about themselves. They're so confused about their needs and their feelings and why they do things. And we get to be their little like investigator parents who help them to understand. But yeah. we have to seek to understand first. I know. I think this is very similarly like the last one about 
growing with our children in it because when mm-hmm. you have like a, a 10 month old who's you can see how tired they are and mm-hmm. they're just flailing their arms and trying to hit you and you're like honey you're so tired you nap it's so every four hours so. it's so transparent <laughs> yeah. but as they get older and they can start saying mean words and they can start hurting their sibling and they can start getting into things and, and quote unquote misbehaving mm-hmm. and um, going against our agenda it becomes so much harder to see that they still are just needing something mm-hmm. and to not take those behaviors and those words personally right right this is such a huge step in being like this is not about me these distracting behaviors and words are not going to suck me into to the matrix and thinking this is unacceptable they need to know why they have to stop doing this and instead to say how you doing what's going on on with you are you okay especially right now with so much stress we're all stressed this is all very new for our kids and we've been hearing from our coaching clients and on the live q a's and dms that we got some potty regressions going on we've got some sleep issues some big feelings lots of resistance and those are all signs of stress and needs happening that our kids are having but it's really hard because we're like i wish my kid could just be like mom so you know how i've been peeing in my closet um (laughs) i've been thinking i've been thinking about this and i think it's because i'm a little stressed about this new rona situation yeah like our kids can't do that yet or you know how i keep like running over and hitting the dog i've actually figured it out i just miss you during the day and it's really hard seeing you working across the house and not being able to come over to you our kids are never going to say those things to us especially unless we help them identify why they're doing these things and if we lovingly support them through these things that then when they're teenagers hopefully they can be identifying that stuff and communicating it a little more adaptively that would be ideal that'd be nice okay number four (laughs) number four we're going to consider our expectations so we ask are my expectations understood let alone realistic i think first question are my expectations realistic number two Mm -hmm. have i actually fucking communicated them and Third, are they understood by the person I was communicating Love them it. to? It's really three. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all raised to a degree believing that our expectations are reality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If I expect this one thing, people should just do it. Just get on board already, right? Mm-hmm. World. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we've we've learned so much through our early parenting, mostly not doing that well through this expectation that our reality, our like expectations are reality. That, that we really have personal realities. We have personal truths. Yeah. My my personal reality says all these toys need should be cleaned up right now. You finished playing with them half an hour ago. You know, I'm on a call and this needs to be gone. That is my personal truth and my personal reality. And and it takes so much effort to think, what is my child's personal reality right now? Mm-hmm. What are their expectations? They have their own set because they're their own human being. Right, right. This isn't the Kelty show as much as I would like it to be. <laughs> totally. And I think ultimately having this idea, which I think is so normal in our culture to believe, well, parent or person in power, that's everyone should conform to my reality. Reset the expectations right? as real. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it's like we we think of this with people in power all the time and we're like, that's really fucked up. That's yeah. an abuse of power to think that everyone should conform to your own reality just because you have more power and privilege. That's kind of wrong. It's funny though, too, in our in, in so many of our live sessions, people are like, how how am I sh- how should I know if my expectations aren't uh, realistic about what uh, about anything how do i know that my expectations aren't realistic about telling my kids they need to stay in their room um for quiet time mm-hmm. or that my expectations aren't realistic that my kid do their homework before or dinner the siblings don't hurt each other while i'm in the other room right right how do i know and, and we usually say you look at your kid and you'll know if your kid is unable to do it then your expectations are unrealistic right now right Right? And that they're either needing something or needing some skills to be built, right? Which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. But I think that when we realize, when we're thinking about our expectations too, we fall into the, the won't versus can't trap. Mm-hmm. My kids just won't finish their homework. They just won't stay in their room when I told them. They won't be nice to they each other. They won't be nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. Why won't they? Yeah. And what we have to keep trying to remind ourselves is they just can't Mm -hmm. and they just need help Mm -hmm. right we're just we're trying to make these things a conversation where we're bringing our kid kid along for it right Mm -hmm. and then i think the last thing with our expectations which i always like just bring in and think so much about i know what i'm gonna say they're really just like our kids are not responsible for 
meeting our expectations perfectly every time. They truly aren't. They're, they're not responsible for our happiness, our sense of productivity, our sense of accomplishment, our sense of security. Yeah. They really aren't. We have to keep remembering that we got to set expectations to keep everybody safe, to keep things moving. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go that well. And then it's going to be easy. And that we just really need to be considering and reapproaching our expectations. Mm -hmm. Are they realistic? Did I communicate them? Did they? Un- did the kid or whoever it is mm-hmm. understand or seem to understand? And then fourth question, I'm adding: Are they able to to execute them? Mm-hmm. Because if they're not, it's back to the drawing board. Right. Love it. Okay. Number five. Number five. We welcome all the feelings. Yeah. We ask: Am I holding space for my kids' learning? Mm-hmm. This is based on one of our empowerments. Yeah. We welcome. All emotions. All emotions. I mean, I think it's so easy for us to be like, I love, and we we could talk about this one for like 10 hours. Oh, sure. I love, you know, when my kid's a little sad or, oh, when they were like feeling so happy or when they're excited or giddy or when they're feeling all lovey and cuddly, but like when they're feeling angry, when they're feeling frustrated, when they're feeling resentful, when they're feeling really jealous about something, when they're feeling disappointed for like, two hours mm-hmm. i think our kids are having some big feelings right now that are not our favorite feelings they're a lot harder to sit through and to support through and to just endure right, right. absolutely but like all the research we read all the trainings we've done talk about and always remind us which we're always like oh god damn it yeah that all feelings are very natural they're very necessary and that we've got to support especially the hard ones so that our kids actually can um learn to identify them learn to express them appropriately, and learn to manage them, right? Yeah, whenever I think about welcoming all the feelings, I think about our kids' inner voice. Mm -hmm. And the way that we engage with our kids around these big feelings, we basically become their inner voice. Mm -hmm. You know, the way we respond is how they will ultimately respond to themselves and to others in the future. If we ignore their feelings, shame, overreact, blame, you know, that's how they're going to be treating themselves and others one day. If we can, if we can help support them and just noticing neutrally and getting curious and providing like a comfort for Mm -hmm. and just holding space for those, you know, that they, then they'll know that that it's not a threatening thing, that they can get to that other side. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's the goal. Sure. And I mean, we want our kids to have beautifully developed emotional intelligence that's like one of the highest predictors of success of joy and success right but we also just want to problem solve shit and move through challenges and the number one thing holding us back from moving through challenges are overwhelmed feelings Um, our brains do not uh, they're unable to problem solve communicate move through challenges when we're upset, right? Mm -hmm. Our brains can't do that. So that's why we welcome all the feelings. Got to do that first. That's kind of the primer. We have to calm bodies down. We have to regulate, right? We've self-regged, so now this is the co-regulate step, right? Yeah, and we've we've looked beneath the crazy behaviors and Mm -hmm. the crazy words. We're not being triggered by by what's coming out in all of this crazy emoting, right? Mm-hmm. This is and this is one that comes up so much too with with people we're talking about big feelings with is just you don't have to fix it. You yeah. don't have to teach anything. You don't have to correct anything. You barely even have to talk for the most part. We just have to sit and support and help calm our kids. Mm-hmm. And that's just talk about load off, talk about taking things off our job description. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the number one thing we feel compelled to overdo it a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, There's a lot want, of pressure. And we've got those mirror neurons too. So it's like we see our kids upset and it triggers these feelings in us. We mm-hmm. feel disappointed. We feel resentful. We feel freaked out. I happen out. to have all those feelings as well. Right. <laughs> it, if not in reaction to, but like we just already had them inside us waiting exactly. to come out. So it's really, really tricky to just say, you know, this is not about me. My kid's going through something and if we're going to move through a challenge and they're actually going to learn something and we're going to come to an understanding and and kind of grow together, right? Then I need to listen. I need to offer them these things that can help them to calm. Do you need a hug right now? You know, pressure feels really good to help calm a nervous system. Do you need to take some deep breaths? Deep breaths help a lot. Do you need some fresh air? You know, and asking that other times too, not always in the moment. We talk about this in the freedom to feel, lots of ideas there, but that's the general idea. Okay. Number six, we use high expectations 
and high warmth. So we ask, can I set a boundary with love? Does that sound crazy? That sounds a little crazy, Cal. Yeah. I think it's very counterintuitive, and we were all raised believing that we need to either be very focused on the expectations and stern mm-hmm. to communicate those if they're not being so met. with low warmth. With low warmth. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people feel, I'm just going to be high warmth all the time, and I'm just going to let stuff go. And that's kind of on the more permissive side of things. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents ping pong between the two. Mm-hmm. Maybe they start the permissive, they permissive. let it all go, mm-hmm. and then that flips them to the other side because they're like, this fucking sucks. This is ridiculous. Chaos. And then they feel bad. So then, because then they, they flip were back. Right. So like we've you, all been like there, Like you baby. mentioned earlier, <laughs> middle way is where we're going. And and actually can be both, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's re- it's referred to um, by child development specialists, therapists, as kind of this magic formula for optimal connection, growth, mental health, et cetera. I mean, and it's basically creating a safe psychological space where learning happens best when people feel secure, so the high expectations, and also safe, like, and warmed. That's the warmth that we give it. Yeah. When we're saying, hey, I need you to keep doing this or not do this. Love ya. Yeah. We're doing so much, both. So much about this one for me, like the ability to actually communicate warmly when the high expectation talking needs to happen mm-hmm. is just remembering my kids are going to do crazy shit, mm-hmm. right? It's going to happen. So I'm not going to be like blindsided by it. Um, and that it's natural for that to happen. They're kids. Their brains are under construction. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely developmentally normal like we mentioned earlier my kids are showing me what they're able to do Mm -hmm. so i'm just going to say that as neutrally and warmly as possible knowing that it's actually going to get through to them more clearly and i'm going to feel better not losing my shit on everybody Mm -hmm. right the more times i've been able to do it the more i'm like wow that felt better Mm -hmm. than yelling and when we have the low warmth guess what? That puts them into an emotional state. So we're back at number five where they're having some strong feelings and we're not getting shit done because they're stressed out. Totally. So that's why we have to have the on like parenthood. Hi, Gary. With my kids. (laughs) Because if if I even try to go the the kind of like high expectations, low warmth, more stern, like now I'm getting a little frustrated so I'm going to have to up the ante here so you really understand me. My Mm -hmm. kids are highly sensitive and spirited. That does not go over well with them. I can attest to that, Kelty. Yeah, Yeah, you can. It does not go well. Yeah. Yeah. But I think so much of using high expectations and high warmth is is connecting to our empowerment of of parenting side by side. We're doing with, not doing to. Mm -hmm. We're working with our kids in doing this. And and that perspective really helps me with the high warmth too. We're on the same team. We could get, we can get this done. I can't let you hit him. Yeah, you really want to hit him. Wow, you want to pull out all these toys right now to make this big mess? I'm sorry, honey. Yeah, we can't do that right now. Yep, nope. Got to put them all back. Yep, you really don't like that. Mm-hmm. But really just saying, this isn't about me. This isn't the end of the world. This is so not surprising to me. I'm going to hold that boundary hold that expectation, and still just be warm and cool. Mm-hmm. As best we can, it, dude. And as often yeah. as we can. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen every time. None of these is. This these is are goals. Goals. Okay. Number seven. Model, model, model. Mm. And we ask, what can I inspire? Or can I inspire what I'd like to see happen here? You know? I mean, this is an ex- uh, kind of an extension of this high expectation, high warmth. I think it begs the question, how do kids learn? Mm-hmm. I think we've all been raised to believe that kids learn explicitly. Yeah, just say the words and then they'll learn it Tell from them my what's words. What. Yeah. Uh, maybe throw a little heat on it because mm-hmm. we also think that people learn better if we're mad or if they're scared. Or if right? our, their love is at, at risk. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. Their or their worthiness or, or belonging. Right. Yeah, it's so easy but to believe that. Turns out that's not our kids don't actually learn what we want them to when that when that happens right they might learn other things that we also don't want them to beyond that though kids really learn implicitly so they learn so much by what they see and experience in the world right yeah i think that it's a surprise to realize that our kids are especially drawn to adopting behaviors that they one have a positive association with Mm -hmm. and two had agency with so we weren't like Mm -hmm. pushing or cajoling or criticizing them right Mm -hmm. and that just means that we got to walk the walk that we have to be working behind the scenes practicing these things you know with them yeah 
I think that it's really easy to want to control their bodies, their words, their behaviors, their feelings. And this comes at least from my sense of powerlessness. But we got to keep remembering that when we over control them, that actually disempowers them too. We're all coming from a place of less power and less growth and less connection. So we want to focus on uh, on ourselves. That's what we do have power over, right? Yeah. Yeah. The only control we talk about uh, that we like to wield is self-control, self-control right? Wah, wah. And our, but our kids, <laughs> our kids love us. They want to be like us. Yeah. Right? How do we show up in the world? You know, there. this is such a superpower for us. Mm-hmm. When we can apologize, when we can say please and thank you, when we can show that we love taking a bath, when we can show that we love experimenting with foods and trying out new mm-hmm. things, when we can sing a little song when we pick up and not make it a chore, like they mm-hmm. are absorbing all of these things. And I think we forget that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it actually makes our um, experience more positive as well. It's not just this like trick to manipulate my kids. It ends up influencing my experience in such a positive way. I love that. I think that the the issue that I think I struggle with, with model, 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 and with this next one, number eight, is the time it takes. That it's not immediate. It's yeah. not a quick fix. Oh, I, I did it. Now I see it. Mm-hmm. Which I think control, when we do use control, those methods are often very... Depending um, on the kid. Yes. De- depending on the kid. Immediately, quote unquote, effective. Right. Right. Or you see some sort of effect right away. Um, you don't really see the long-term uh, results of that. But number eight is investing in what's new. So asking, can I spare a little extra time to really nail this? You know, our kids are moving into these new routines, moving into this new way of life, dealing with all of this stress, just like we are. And I think that it's really easy for us to just think, okay, these new patterns, um, okay, snap with it. Just get with it right now. Come on. I have this, again, back to the expectations game, right? That we expect them to have this. And it, it's, that's not how it works, right? Yeah, Kel? but I think it's an opportunity. Yeah. You mentioned patterns. Right now, in this new kind of quarantine situation, we have the chance to be setting up patterns on the right foot, mm-hmm. right? And But I think that we're feeling rushed. I think we're feeling behind haphazard. Already. Mm-hmm. We're behind already. Mm-hmm. We're barely juggling all the things, right? And so it's yeah. easy. A, a lot of people we've been talking with are sharing the same experiences we've been having, mm-hmm. which is, okay, I need you to go and be in your room. I'm going to be in this call. Um, I said the things. Mm-hmm. This is me uh, communicating the expectation, like you mentioned before. And then they keep coming out. And then, okay, I need you guys to go uh, play play there together. Just mm-hmm. play on the on the patio, but don't leave the patio. Okay, I'll be back. And you leave to go work. And five minutes later, you see they left the patio. Actually, they left our house and mm-hmm. they walked to your house, Hannah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I communicated my expectations. You nodded at me. Mm-hmm. You seemed to know the deal, this right. new deal. And you didn't. So what are we talking about well, here? And what is this investment? I, I guess what we're saying is for things like this, certain things where we we question and our expectation and go through that uh, step, whatever number that was back there. But I think that some things were like, no, I, I don't want to change my expectation. I don't want to lower it or, or let it go completely. I have to do this work call. My kids have to eat lunch on their own. Uh-huh. They need to play on the back patio, for example, or not hit each other all the time. So what we actually have to do then is invest a little bit of time to help that expectation actually succeed right so you're talking about scaffolding you're talking about checking in you're talking about about extra support to build the skill to actually nurture that expectation so that they can successfully meet it yeah otherwise they're failing it every time and it's like it's just again talk about groundhog day right i I think i have three issues when i think about this number one i have the false expectation that it will succeed and should succeed right when i go into it number two I have this fear of engaging in that process. Just how messy just it is to like actually have work to go with back them. and deal with mm-hmm. it. I'd rather just be like, please just do it, please, mm-hmm. in my mind. And number three, I have this fear that if I keep um, going back to ha- help support and tend to it and mm-hmm. scaffold it, I'm going to always have to do that, that they're going to depend on me to mm-hmm. do that. And I have that worry. Mm-hmm. But I think 
thinking of it like this as an investment, this isn't going to be forever, helps me so much. I think if we think about how we've done anything else in the past with our kids, like how we worked with sleep stuff, for example, like you and I did the fading thing where we were like, it felt like an eternity, but it was probably only a week where, you know, our kids kept coming out of their room because they were out of the crib and their new little bed. And we didn't want to be falling asleep with them every night, but we also didn't want them to be like crying it out, locked in their room. So we're trying to figure out again, that middle way. And it took a little while where we, if we just left them in their room and then just went to do laundry, they would come out and then we'd be like, ah, get back in bed. And so what we had to do was we had to be like, I'm going to go for two minutes and I'd get up and go, but I'd stand by the door. And if they went to the door, I'd walk them back in. So Mm -hmm. you were basically doing a lot of work and heavy lifting to be kind of setting up that expectation and fading your presence, really helping them to understand this new expectation and to actually adapt to it. Yeah. Our kids really do, but it took time through that repetition and support and they're not always going to need us. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can make a list of all the ways that we used to help our kids do things more than we do now. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's so unfair that we punish them for not knowing and for not having the skills yet. And that's Mm -hmm. what this investing in what's new thing is about. When, when our kids are struggling, mm-hmm. we need to ask ourselves, is this new? Is, is this a new thing that's been happening? Or is this an old thing, but maybe they're struggling with it because of the other new things? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that tells me they need a little bit more support, investment, connection mm-hmm. in this. And it's not going to be forever. I just need to get in there and do those baby steps to scaffold their understanding and learning, right? Right. So again, I'm not letting go of the entire expectation, being permissive or and crazy or chaotic. And I'm also not cracking down and punishing them for something they're clearly not able to meet yet. Right. So we're finding that middle way with this. Okay. Number nine, loosen up with what's theirs and ask ourselves, is this ultimately mine or theirs to control? So what are we talking about here, Cal? This one is to me is all about the freedoms. This is like holding the freedoms close to me, which is all about controlling less and trusting more. Mm-hmm. And just, we keep hearing from people in our live Q and A's, like my, my kid needs to be um, doing their homeschooling. You know, they have to be eating this much food at dinner. Mm-hmm. Baths still have to happen. I don't care if they're seeing friends or not. Um, and just asking ourselves these questions. Do these belong? Do these things belong to our kids? Are these things, if we're really forcing them, going to put a stress on our relationship that is not a must, mm-hmm. right? Well, and if we're always the one that's having to cue them and control them and force them to engage in hygiene, homework, cleaning, mm-hmm. all of the uh, eating, all of these things that are kind of about their bodies and their inner attunement and their ultimately their willingness to do them. Um, are they really learning the skills or are they just learning to respond to an outside pressure, which is us? Yeah. I don't want to be the drill sergeant. No. I don't want to be the referee. I don't want to be the hall monitor. I don't want to be that person. And that's what this step number nine about loosening up with things that are theirs is just mm-hmm. keeping in mind those freedoms, keeping in mind what's worth it to push and what's worth it to maybe just back off on a little bit right now. Sure. Or to just think, how can I sensitively support this in a way that's not creating a power struggle? Yeah. How can I sensitively support their, them doing their homework without saying you need to do your homework right now? Why haven't yeah. you done your homework right now? I think right that now? that's what it is, is like when we get that resistance from our kid about something, I think that's a sign. That's our ding ding that says, Mm -hmm. how can I renegotiate my power and my role in this? Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe that is sliding into the resist approach and just being like, hey, how's it going? I've I've noticed that you haven't been that excited about doing doing your math lately. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on? What's Mm -hmm. up? And making it a conversation. Letting them instead of saying, have you done your homework? Have you done your math? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you doing your math? Need you to do your math, Mm -hmm. which comes so naturally to us. Yeah. Yeah. But just subtly supporting that conversationally and remembering again that all of these resistances and issues come back to number what is it two three beneath the behaviors Mm that they've got some stress going on and again that they're just needing our help and they're needing it again with number six the high expectations and high warmth all of these numbers kind of loop within one another and that it's new right i'm like go do your schoolwork it's just like school oh wait (laughs) you're on a laptop by yourself not with your your fellow students and teacher it is different right yeah so i think that just remembering too we don't want to get in the middle of our kids relationship with their work with their play with their bodies with their sleep with their you know feeling 
feelings, you know, like we, we have to be just supporting. We want to be that side by side working with not doing too, yeah, just, if and when we and can. And just loosen in our grip a little bit. Mm-hmm. If we feel like we're in fists mode a lot, actually literally or metaphorically, mm-hmm. just try to loosen loosen a little bit. That can really That's help. my reminder. It's so counterintuitive. Okay, number 10, circle back. We talk about this one so oh, much yeah. where we ask, can I be brave and connect after the conflict? What do we usually feel compelled to do? I want to pretend it never happened. <laughs> And then until I wake up the next day and realize, oh my God, this of course this is happening again. Yeah, I've got the conference call so and we scary. haven't made any headway. It's so scary to bring it up later. It's like, why would I want to remember mm-hmm. it? Why would I want to remind them? Oh God, it, it, like, am I going to yell again? Am I going to grill if I try to bring it up? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to be planting the seeds of um, of this happening over and am over I again? Encouraging am, it by am, talking about yes, it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that connecting back to um, our kids having big feelings and behaviors, we're trying to set aside the teaching, the conversations, the the digging and drilling for what could work better next time for when our kids are actually receptive and when we are more and receptive when we and are less too. reactive and more yeah. receptive as well. So the circle back is the perfect time for that we can find a time kids bedtime during a meal during a cozy cuddly book session mm-hmm. on a walk when everyone's quiet and we can just say hey it seems like you've been struggling picking up toys lately or hey you know last night bedtime felt really hard for all of us what what do you think about it mm-hmm. what was going on or we've been really coming up against this time where i've got my conference call and you've got your homework to to really be kind of trying to do our own thing to you know separately what, what what's up yeah. let's talk and this about could it be like with a two-year-old yeah. this seriously our kids want to have conversations with us. They are not scared of talking about the hard stuff unless we've made it hard mm-hmm. to talk about. And we and I think that whole idea too is like not only can we get a lot done in a circle back with helping them understand that what happened, who what everyone was feeling like, you know, they ex- kind of discover what they felt like, communicate it, we help them, you know, explain it, we talk about where we were coming from, we, you know, innovate together, we do all these things so we can actually maybe do better next conference call or do better next sibling fight or do better next bedtime. But we're also showing them that when we come up against a challenge, that it's always workoutable, that we can always figure it out later. You know, we don't have to wait for it to come up again to where we're like, oh, shit, here we are again. But we're all too freaked out to actually deal with this. Yeah. You know? I think the circle back can portray conflict as an opportunity, mm-hmm. like you said, to to build some skills, to figure it out, to connect, mm-hmm. to um practice forgiveness to apologize Mm -hmm. i apologize basically every circle back Mm -hmm. for the times that i was short with my kids or i yelled or that we couldn't see eye to eye and figure out how to how to get all of our needs met Mm -hmm. right it's i mean it's the resolution part of the conflict resolution yeah it really is it's it's a it's just essential essential part of a family life to us right now yeah and the the big word is trust Mm -hmm. in the circle back is is saying it's gonna it's hard bringing these things up. It's hard getting back into this, um, into talking about things that didn't go well and didn't necessarily feel good for anyone. But through this repetition, through this practice, and through our eye on what we like to talk about as the long game, Mm -hmm. we're all going to be getting closer. We're all going to be building skills over time. Yeah, I love that. In conclusion, (laughs) let's wrap this up. This was not a quick episode. It wasn't? We're going to get better at this. It feels quick. We're, we're leaving everyone with a nice spring break. Top tenor. What do you have for the conclusion, Han? I don't know. I keep thinking about Phil Connors now that you brought him up. Okay. <laughs> Good old Groundhog Day. I love him. I Bill love Murray that. just makes me happy. And I think that movie just is just a really wonderful example of what we're going through right now with the challenges, but also, as you mentioned earlier, Kel, with the opportunity. Yeah. I Sometimes I, I think about... Like, can't we just be like Phil Connors in the last, like, it must have been like eight minutes in the movie, honestly, mm-hmm. when he's just, he's like this, this Zen God, totally unruffled by things and leaning in and engaging with curiosity and connection and bravery and humor, um, it, like with all of the things that had driven him absolutely fucking crazy mm-hmm. well, every other iteration. And right? I don't think it's because he didn't like all of a sudden turn into that because he'd experienced it so much that he like got good at it or that he experienced so much that he just 
resigned to it and like got over it. Yeah. He he really I think surrendered and became aware of what was happening. And that allowed him to lean in and connect and do all of those other things and create this opportunity and this kind of rebirth from yeah. the same thing over and over and over. His situation and environment didn't change. Kelty, you're probably going to go through the exact same thing. It's my punxatani. Yeah, that, yeah. That you d- described at the beginning of this episode for the rest of this quarantine. So you're saying, it, like, <laughs> not we can, to make you depressed. But. I'm not. I, okay. When I can really focus on the fact that if I am working on my beliefs and my mindset and my approach, that I can be getting more connection, more reward, more growth, more joy from these things that made me want to get in the yes. car and drive and, away from and home. And that not just that you can feel differently about it, but that the outcome can actually be different. All the players in your drama can change. They yeah. can look at you differently. They can act differently with you. They can act differently with one another. Your little world, your little ecosystem of Puxatani can change just because of the way you think about it. Yeah. That's all that matters goals and that's your power that's all our power baby yeah okay um we would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode if it resonated confused infuriated inspired all the things please reach out we're gonna miss you on this break but we will be on instagram primarily and we'll be available man mm-hmm. coaching um reach out to our phone line um we're DMs around as usual please please come to our live sessions monday wednesday friday it's become such a joy for us uh, at the end of the day we're like how can we do this we can't even make it we're just gonna get, get, go sit down and see who comes and we end up having the best time and feeling so rejuvenated by all of your presence it's there. hard to imagine that talking about the hard stuff could be like a happy hour three days a week it basically is very happy it's for very me. happy yeah and yeah. you can hop on and share the screen too if you have a specific question that you just want to kind of like workshop with us bring it on like come and tell us what your hard stuff is and we'll tell you why it's the good stuff mm-hmm. it's a lot easier than talking about our own hard stuff but if you have questions about ours please ask oh us yeah that. we'll tell you anything 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 at all thank you to our techie renaissance dude alex my hubby for producing this podcast editing music so all the things. things and thank you to our incredibly talented friends amber okamura who does our art and mary schroeder of making type who does all of our lettering mm-hmm. please subscribe rate and review we really value your feedback and it helps others find us just go to itunes on your phone or laptop search for upbringing and you can um rate and review on there And lastly, thank you for being here. This is a messy and incredibly important job being a parent. And we're all going to make a lot of mistakes, lots of them. And that is okay because our growth depends on it. And if you're here, you're doing the work and you're doing an amazing job. And we're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another, one conversation at a time. So thanks for being here. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. Till next time.